Again, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the City Council's budget work session. Mr. Clark, if you would please read the Chamber Emergency Evacuation Announcement, followed by the roll call. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, our person should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually in hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And Madam President, council members in attendance at this afternoon are Ms. Jordan, Mr. Jones, Vice President Robertson, and President Newbill. Thank you, Mr. Clark. With that, we will proceed to the presentations and um, our director, Parks and Record, uh, if you would um, provide the uh, scheduled park improvements and programming for FY 2023. Mr. Frake. Good afternoon, President Newmill and members of council. I am very excited to be here today. Um, as I was preparing and looking at all the stuff that we have done uh, over the last year, it's hard not to think about actually the last two years. Um, our department has definitely faced a lot of different challenges because of the pandemic, and we've had to change our operations sometimes almost daily. So to understand all the different things that we've had to deal with, it's been quite a, a few years for us. The other thing when reflecting back on this is that this is my fourth budget presentation with you guys. So I have been here just over four years, and it's been really exciting to see how our department has evolved over the last four years. And so today we're going to highlight a lot of the different things that we have happening in our department. So first of all, just a department overview. I think most of you are well aware of our amenities. We have 170, acre, 170 parks and 2,800 acres of parks. Just some new things though that we've added this year was our first futsal court, and that is at Bill Robinson Park. And we also created a mobile recreation unit, which we will go into a little bit more detail. Also not highlighted, but we added two community gardens this year. Just to give you an idea of the per capita spending, um, especially since when I first got here in the 2018, we have definitely seen that go from $77 to almost 122 in per capita funding. This has been a major increase. This has been a priority of council and the mayor, and we can see that through the funding streams. Also something though that I just wanted to talk about since it's sort of the administration, we have started a, an investment in our staff. Uh, under the leadership of DCO Gordon, we started the Richmond Leads Program. This program is identifying managers that have the potential to be leaders and future leaders in our organization. It's a six-week program where they learn different personality characteristic traits and how they can function and build better teams and become managers so that we have some succession planning that we're developing within our portfolio. And it also provides for these staff to interact with all the individuals within the portfolio so that we can start to break down silos um, and work together as a unit. We had the first one kick off this fall and we've started our second one on March 30th. So we're really excited that this is continuing and we're building from it. Also, just something that sort of talks about how we we're breaking down silos. As you guys know, we are the um, that DPW is the primary for mowing grass, but we support them where we can. And we've also recently helped animal control and care with their accounts payable. We've transitioned that over to us so that they didn't need to hire an additional staff person, but put that into our team so that they could use that for direct services and hire more officers as which they needed. 
Other thing that we're pursuing uh, departmental-wide is accreditation. This is done through our National Parks and Recreation uh, Association. It is the only commission out there currently that does commission parks and recreation. This will help us develop best practices. This will give us a lot of different feedback. And it's also um, just an excellent process so that you can have areas of where you're doing well and areas that you need to improve on. Now overviewing our recreation. Deborah Morton, who is actually here with us today, is our Deputy Director of Recreation. And these are all the different areas that she oversees as the director. One new addition this year is that we did move the finance uh, department under her, and I'll go into a little bit more depth of why that transition was made later on. This just gives you a highlight of a lot of the different programs that she has under her uh, team that they're working on. One thing that we realized is that there were two groups that were very much impacted by COVID, our seniors and our youth. So we knew as we were coming back out of the pandemic, we needed to program and we needed to have resources for these populations. So we actually opened our first active adult facilities. In addition, we had always had the active adult center at Linwood Robinson, but we added TB Smith and Ann Hardy so that we could expand the reach beyond the city. Not only do we do a lot of diverse programming at these facilities, we also started the Gold Star Meetup. It has currently 508 participants that we do different, um, different programs throughout the city. And this is just a highlight of some of the recent ones where we've done uh, Holiday Under the Stars at 17th Street Market. We're planning for a spring lunch in there. We've taken them to the VMFA, and we've also done a VMA memorial tour. So we have lots of people that we're in this program. In addition to that, they just do some basic other classes that we work with them um, at these centers. Our Youth Athletics Division also is another one that I just want to highlight. We have roughly 12,500 participants in these sports alone. Our football team from Southside was fortunate enough to travel to Florida this last December because they were able to compete at that level. Also, often people forget that we have a boxing program that is based at Southside Community Center. We have over 3,000 daily attendants over the last three months in that facility alone of young athletes that we are training in boxing and preparing for them. In addition to that, we do um, soccer, tennis, basketball, and something really unique that we tried this day. We often hear that we need to get jobs for our young people. We started a program called Game Day Specialist. This Game Day Specialist was working in um, football, and some of they were transitioning into other sports so that they can learn how to be officials. It's really hard for us to get that kind of employee right now. So if we can start training our teens that have an active interest in this sport, then we can develop some future uh, employees for our department. Also, we run an aquatics division under here. We have our free learn to swim. We have our year-round swim team. We also teach lifeguard certification. And this just sort of gives you an idea of a lot of the different events that we will have uh, throughout the city coming up. The other thing that we did last year that we plan to do this year is open four of our pools Memorial Day weekend. Prior to uh, probably about the 1980s, our pools just opened when schools ended. We realized that this is a great asset that we have that we need to open up earlier. So we're opening up at Randolph, Fairmont, Hotchkiss, and Blackwell these pool Memorial Day weekend, and we'll have them open on the weekends for people to enjoy. We also work with Armstrong High School to help recruit new lifeguards. We have a program where we teach and to develop, and we're looking to also expand this this year with George Wythe. Our, our culture arts program is based at Pine Camp. 
it is a phenomenal facility that has a lot of different aspects that um, focus on our cultural arts. This is just a listing, and I know you guys all have copies of all the different things that we have going on at that facility, or at least some highlights. We're also looking this summer to expand some of these programs at Hickory Hill so that we can provide cultural arts both on the north and south side of our city. This is also, we have been you know, invited to go to a lot of different things based on the performance of our dancers and the different uh, people we have in our programs. I also would like to highlight our federal food programs. We provide food at 25 public locations throughout the city, and then we also work at 17 other sites in surrounding counties. Last year, we provided 60,000 meals to partic participants. The thing that's great about the city of Richmond is that there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of things that need to be done to do this program. Because we have dedicated those resources as a city, a lot of those are reimbursable, but you have to have one person that's willing to do all those different things. The city has taken that step for the region, and that's why we're able to not only serve within the city, but also surrounding locales. Our out-of-school time program. This shifted dramatically uh, this year. It was definitely an aspirational goal by RPS that we wanted to make sure every child within the RPS system in elementary had an after-school program that also had enrichment to really capture the learning loss that had happened over COVID. We understood this meant a lot, and we really transitioned to help. We added two additional sites at 14 locations. Our enrollment was 1,500, more than double of any enrollment we had seen previously in previous years. And we also had to hire individuals when vaccination became mandatory at all sites. So we had to transition some of our staff from community centers to these sites so that we could support these kids. As I said originally, our emphasis when coming back was how do we support our kids in our community and our seniors first, and then working on how was we open back up to get the other populations. But these were our priorities and this is what we supported. Not only did we provide the extended day, but we also worked with RPS to provide a facilitated learning program at Humphrey Calder for 65 of the William Fox kids students. And we did that after three days of when the virtual academy opened up so that we could get it up and running for those families. Also, um, last week was spring break, and we were able to provide uh, camps for the kids in our extended day program. These are pictures actually from last week to show you some of the different places that they went um, and were able to enjoy as part of our spring break program. Our recreation facilities also provide a wide array of programs. This is just a brief listing of some of the things that we, you would see at the different programs throughout the community. One new program, and I don't know if anyone has had the opportunity to see it over at Randolph, is our mural mob. So making our buildings better. What we do is we take teenagers in the community, give them a stipend to help develop these different uh, murals within their neighborhood. They help select the design. We work with area artists and we paint these on our buildings. This was a pilot that we did over spring break and we're looking to expand it in the summer to do at a lot of our different spaces. We have lots of great buildings that could use some of this type of artistic. We also know when we do these type of things and there's ownership, it also reduces level of graffiti and vandalism that could potentially happen in our park. Another new program that we did this year was the We Matter program. We see daily issues of gun violence that is happening in our community. We know that there's things that need to change and we can't always do things the same way we've always done them. 
This was a partnership with Justice Services, area um, uh, mental health providers, our Office of Children and Families to develop this program, uh, also RPS and community and schools to identify kids that may be at risk for gun violence and figure out how we can change that trend. In that program, we have, as I mentioned, a mental health to help work with the kids. We do recreational and skill building and also provide a meal at the end where kids can freely talk about the issues that they're facing with mentors. 2020, we started the therapeutic recreation program in Parks and Recreation. It had been without uh, this program for several decades, but we did bring that back. This is working with our populations with uh, special needs and physical disabilities. We have partnered with Special Olympics to work with your young athletes where we're training them different uh, athletic skills, as you can see in the picture above. Um, we've also worked with the VA to do adaptive kayaking, paddleboard, rafting, and hiking. And we are also um, providing inclusion services, which was part of the ADA, that any child can participate in any of our programs with accommodations. And this staff person with the use of several interns have helped uh, facilitate that throughout our programs. And we have continued our summer camp. Um, we will have the summer great escape uh, at Hickory Hill, Humphrey Calder, Randolph, Westover Hill. It's a two, three week session. We'll also be doing cultural arts intensives at both Pine Camp and Hickory Hill. Uh, CarMax will be partnering with us to do an athletics basketball camp in addition to their traditional league. And we'll be doing a teen summer quest program in addition to the pop-up sites at many of our uh, facilities that is a free program. So I like to really highlight also the mobile recreation unit. We've heard that we need to do a lot in our communities where we're not always present. We need to bring recreation to people. This is a mobile unit that we've now actually acquired the trailer and the equipment that we can take these out to different neighborhoods to provide play. And it's a lot of getting back to what Parks and Recreation is all about. Our movement, you hear a lot of times the playground movement, it was bringing the playground to the people. And so this is a step back in trying to really provide resources to communities where we might not have the land to be able to do so. Also, a lot of people don't realize that we schedule all the permits, street closures, special events, and film production within the city of Richmond. That's a massive amount for our team of three, uh, two full-time and one part-time. But they do a lot of different events, as we've seen, the Blues and Brews, uh, the Mobile Soul Sundays. We work with the Night Market, and we've helped activate both Kanawha and 17th Street Market because those are both under their leadership. We also then worked with a lot of these different special events. I know many of you participated in the Christmas Parade and RBA Illuminates, but we've also done Chaco Taco, the Bacon Festival we've brought back, and Chaco Illuminates, or just to highlight us some of the different special events that we have done. We've done roughly 439 permits in this group. As I mentioned, that street closures, that's working with all the different groups that help to bring in a lot of things that make Richmond, Richmond. And so we're really excited to be that department that helps facilitate all those experiences. And this is just a limit, as I've told us, some of the different things that this office works. As I also talked, we do film production. Richmond has been in the top 10 over the last two years of best places to live and work as a movie maker. We want us to get us in the top five. We understand how important that is to different businesses here. We are excited to have helped Dope Sick out. And also we've worked with two other major networks and three movies uh, in the last two years. And some upcoming things that I'm extremely proud that we'll be doing. We'll be hosting the Richmond Forum. 
They'll be at Pine Camp this year as Richmond Forum tries to expand beyond its current place and reach more people. This is the beginning of many different partnerships that we're hoping to have. We also see the 65th Annual Festival of Arts will be back this year. And we want to do jubilation in June. So Juneteenth is bigger than one day, and we want to celebrate it over more than one day. We'll have more details on April 26th, but these are all things that our team is working on to provide the residents of Richmond. Parks operation. I'm ecstatic to say after six years, we now have a deputy over parks. It's been long and waiting. We're very happy to welcome Mr. Shamar Young to this position. Over this, he sees citywide maintenance, cemeteries, facility maintenance, parks, volunteers, and workforce development. The facility maintenance, I know there's been some discussion about a lot of our deferred maintenance. By having this position in place helps us not be as reactive as we have been in the past, and we're starting to be proactive and have work plans in place. The first area that we've tackled because we knew that we had the time to do is our seasonal pools. You can sort of see a before and after picture in this slide of Randolph Pool, where there was definitely some needed deferred maintenance that has happened and what we're doing in there from putting depth markers to cleaning the trees, pruning the trees, painting the bathrooms, and developing with some of those different things. Mr. Young has been able to bring his knowledge and his expertise to lead this organization so that we're moving forward in these different areas. Also note that in several areas, we have fixed things internally. For example, the HVAC system at Pine Camp, if we would have put that out to bid, would have been about $80,000. Internally, we can fix that for about twenty. dollars so there's a huge cost savings when we bring these work in-house and not contract it out. Um, but they've also worked on building new picnic shelters and fixing other areas of our park system. Also, as I've talked about, we are secondary for lawn maintenance. And as we know, in the summer and especially spring, it can be very challenging. So we work with our Department of Public Works in most 17 of our community centers, uh, cemeteries, areas of the James River, and Forest Hill Park are all areas that are under our maintenance. We have also recently acquired a slope mower with our workforce development team so that we can start taking back some of our slopes because we realize what a, a magnificent aspect we have in our city and how they need to be a little bit better maintained, and this equipment will do that for us. We are also working with um, different uh, groups to create us as a B city. So that means identifying areas of no mow zones. Where do we put in pollinator gardens? Where do we work with partners to celebrate these different type of things and have events that really educate the public on how to be bee friendly? We have started that and we look forward to continue this program moving into next year. One of the programs that I am extremely proud of and that we started back in 2018 is our workforce development. We know that we need to train the future generations in landscape maintenance, horticultural, different park projects, trail maintenance, and equipment maintenance. Currently, if you go out to Canal Plaza, you will see the wonderful work of this workforce development team. But they also work at 17th Street Market, at the Carillon, and other areas as needed throughout the city. But this is a truly impressive group. We train them and then hopefully are able to find them jobs within our department as those positions move up. But we traditionally work with individuals that have had challenges with employment, whether if they're coming out of an incarceration or have been chronically unemployed. We partner with our Office of Community Wealth Building, so not only do we train them on these skills, they provide the wraparound skills so that they have the soft skills needed as they move forward from money management to interview skills, and et cetera. 
We also have under this team our community garden. As I mentioned, we added two new community gardens this year. Uh, Kate Rivera has been an amazing uh, addition uh, to our team. She has also been able to secure a $90,000 grant from the USDA. Um, and she has been engaging teens to learn more about um, programs related to the community garden system. Our James River Park system is one of the jewels of our city. We offer a wide variety of programs through there from our outdoor education team. They have a wealth of knowledge and have also been able to secure a Bay Watershed Education and Training Grant through the National Oceanic Atmosphere Administration. This grant allows us to work with RPS students to provide that, that necessary education and take sort of a relief off the teachers so they don't always have to provide that. We have done this in the partnership with the Chesapeake Bay Alliance, um, but in addition to that, we also provide our summer camps and serve several hundred children in this program uh, annually. Just to give you an idea of um, volunteer hours for FY21, we had 5,000 hours of service at James River Park System alone. <clears throat> That's $85,000 that saved the city on the different types of projects that they're doing from invasive removals to building things, doing all sorts of awesome stuff. We could not do this without the volunteers of the James River Park System. Our parks have also been highly attended. <clears throat> in 2021, we had just over 2 million visitors at the James River Park System. Forest Hill has just seen almost under 400, and we're almost at a half a million at Bird Park. We are also looking at putting counters in at Chimborazo and at Broad Rock Sports Complex to see what kind of numbers that we get, because we know our parks are amazing. Think about James River. That's every Richmond manure 10 times went to James River Park System. Each other one is almost double our population going to these parks. So they're very heavily used, and we're very happy that people have been able to take advantage of them. <coughs> one new addition that we're thrilled about is the Urban Ranger Program in our park system. This is a new pilot program that has been proposed by the mayor in his budget. What we want to do is use this sort of as a different way to educate change the culture of negative and detrimental behavior in our parks and promote healthy, safe, and equitable places for cities. We know that there's some things that need to be done. We envision two positions to be part of this. We've had constant conversations with our friends of James River of how they can support potential additional funding if needed. But we know that there's a need. Everybody sees how parks are being used, um, sometimes not in the most appropriate way. And by having this as a start, it will help relieve pressure from RPD and animal control. Our cemeteries division. Most people are not aware that cemeteries fall under the Department of Parks and Recreation and Community Facilities. We have three active cemeteries. We recently expanded Riverview Cemetery, which I'll go into a little bit more detail, but we've also taken advantage of the fact that we have the film uh, or are the liaison for the film industry and have shot uh, grave diggers um, at Oakwood Cemetery, which brought in a lot of revenue and helped us to make some improvements at Oakwood from those dollars. Basically, what you can see is it's an enterprise account, so the dollars in are the dollars that go out for the cemetery's division. We have also been able to take, a, take advantage of the historic African-American cemeteries grants offered by the state. We roughly have 4,000, we have, not roughly, we have identified 4,000 burials at Mount Olivet. With that, we are getting $23,000, a little bit over $23,000, $5 per gray, um, 
for these. We are also working with VCU to identify additional people uh, or additional burials at Barton Heights. So we have been able to leverage these and will continue to leverage these dollars um, for our historic African-American cemeteries. Partnerships. There is no way that our department could survive without partnerships. I'm not going to read all these to you all, but just to show you, this is a, a capture of a lot of the different groups that we are working with. Um, if you look at the slide, it just shows you the different things that we've been able to accomplish through partnerships and hope to continue to partner through that. But there is a tremendous amount of groups that we have all worked with to in the community. As I had mentioned earlier, we had partnered with RPS for the extended day program, but we also partner with them at Bellmead, Randolph, and Southside for RPS hubs. RPS understands that the families are in the community. In order to reach those communities, they need to be in the communities. We've offered room and spaces, the top, the picture to the right and left show you the different spaces that we have provided in our facilities so that they can welcome their families, work with their families, and help understand the needs of their families in a community setting. We also have supported this year the RPS uh, athletics. We are providing spaces for them to play and we're also maintaining our field so that they can use them appropriately. And we are in the final stages with RPS to update our agreement. We had an agreement, but it did expire uh, in 2020 and we have been in the process of renewing that. Um, COVID definitely sort of put things on pause. We revisited it this fall and we've been in the getting it updated and hopefully have that final document in front of council in the coming weeks. Also, many people might not be aware of, but we work with AmeriCorps. We are the department that I believe in 2018, the AmeriCorps program transitioned under the Parks and Recreation and Community Facilities Department. We work with Healthy Futures that is combating the opioid epidemic. We also do economic opportunities where we have partnered with our workforce development to provide training uh, to many individuals and environmental stewardship where we have worked to really clean um, invasives. One of the most recent projects was at Forest Hill where our team went out there and removed several of the invasives that were there. But this has been a great, um, great opportunity for the city because you get uh, very high uh, motivated employees that can do projects at a minimal cost as they can work off some of their college debt or build uh, money towards college savings in this program. Also, just something to note in this year's budget is that the funding for Mayamot, which Mayamot is a city park that the council has um, leased to the Mayamot Conservancy to run. We have traditionally provided the $460,000 for their operating to give you an idea that it costs them over $2 million to operate the park. So this is a great deal for the city and we've moved it into parks and recreation instead of non-departmental because we have a contract or the lease with them and we just want to make sure this funding is maintained for Mayamont. Our friends group. We have 45 active friends group with over a half a million dollars in investment. Um, you can see several of the different projects that we have worked on with them and we're excited about. Um, and this is just sort of highlighting some, they do so much stuff, but we wanted to give you an idea that we've done clean, we fixed water lines, we've um, done new plantings, we've repaired fountains, we're getting ready to build new amenities. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that we've been able to do with the wide array of friends groups that we have. 
Um, I mentioned that James River Park System is one of our hugest friends, but we have lots of other smaller friends groups that do stuff. As you can see in that picture, the pump house, that window was restored um, through the friends group, and they have been working slowly on doing window by window um, in there. Another huge thing that a lot may people may not be aware of is the number of grants that we receive for the Department of Parks and Recreation. We recently received a million dollars from the Senate appropriations that's going to go into workforce development. We'll be able to hire staff, uh, buy equipment, work with area partners, and we'll be looking at really redoing uh, the Broad Rock Creek parcel land in the south side. We've also gotten several other grants through here. Um, just to give you an idea, $4.5 million has been raised this year alone in funding um, for parks and recreation through different various things. We have a really amazing team of people that are able to really use their skills and, and take advantage of the things that are out there. We also have an amazing community that wants to give to our department. So combined, we've been able to accomplish very many things by having the staff and the partnerships in the community. Also, right of entry, these are under $25,000 worth of things that we get lots of other services donated outside of our friends groups to help make improvements to our parks. As you'll see, a lot of them are tree plantings, but that is great. We want to see more trees in our city, especially in our parks. Capital projects. Um, there have been a lot of those things, and I, I talked about how uh, Deputy Morton, uh, we moved the finance division under her. We had a a deputy who was over the finance division. We go through in the city a position control process. In that process, we look at every position we have and see is it, do we need to hire that back or do we need to really reinvent it so that it better serves our organization? We do that with every position that we have. So we looked at the deputy of finance and realized that Ms. Morton was willing to take that team. It's a very high functioning team. As I mentioned, they took over the, the payment and procurement services for animal control. Uh, we've got a fun, excellent team working and leading that group, but we knew with a lot of the things that we want to get through the pipeline and a lot of things that need to happen is that we needed a dedicated person for capital projects. I talked about the four and a half million dollars that we leveraged. A lot of those have been done for grants that have been outside for capital projects. There's a lot more we could be going after as a city, but we need a dedicated person that is solely focused on that and can lead the team. So we transitioned that position to the deputy uh, director of capital projects, and we are in the process of hiring for that position. They currently have a team of two people that are working for them, but we know that, like I said, we've been able to really leverage and get a lot of things done. This will also help the necessary leadership. As I talked about how critical director or deputy director Young has been in starting to set in place what needs to happen, this will also set into place. I think Director Vincent said it really well where he was putting potholes or taking care of potholes at first and now it's getting to paving. It's very similar when we can get the leadership and the people into the right places. We no longer have to fix the sort of problems. We can be more proactive and have long-term fixes. This just gives you an idea what is in the mayor's proposed budget for capital projects. We have seen over the last few years substantial increases in our major parks, neighborhood parks, facility maintenance. These are critical areas for us to deal with the deferred maintenance that we have talked about so long. We are starting to get a lot of our big projects taken care of so that we now can work on some more fine tuning in smaller areas that need to be addressed. You will see, like I said, year to year, when you factor out Southside Community Center, we've actually seen increases in the main areas of that we need it that really help us focus on the deferred maintenance and addressing the, the outstanding issues that we've had as a parks department. 
This just shows you some of the completed projects that we have done from Abner Clay to Broad Rock Sports Complex to the futsal course at Bill Robinson. We also have the new skate park at Southside that has become a regional destination and also the tennis courts that the community has been wanting for a long time at Bill Robinson. We also have several projects that are underway. Riverview Cemetery expansion is almost completed. When that is done, we will add over 1,400 new burial uh, locations there, and that project will more than double bring in the money that the city has invested in building that space. We also are making improvements to the Bird Park Roundhouse so that it can become accessible. We are on, in the midst of the Huguenot Flatwater, Powhatan Community Center, uh, we should be breaking ground on that soon. We're in the midst of the Fulton Memorial. We have fixed the HVAC issues at Swansboro and working on the ones at Belmede. And we have out to bid um, the Black Round, Blackwell Playground. Upcoming projects is that we also know that we need to do the tennis courts at Chimborazo, Broad Rock Sports Complex, fix the roof at Ann Hardy. Public restrooms at Bryan Park. Also, we are looking at putting pickleball and tennis courts at Bryan Park. And we are um, close to having out to bid the Hotchkiss Community Center enhancement and the replacement of the Grayland Park playground. We also will be working on, we've got actually um, in the procurement system currently the Carter Jones Fonicello playground. We're working on the Powhatan playground improvement. We're working for the exterior improvements and also citywide uh, improvements. We brought a contractor on board to help us um, modernize our pool systems. And we are looking to make improvements at Gillies Creek. That's a lot for the currently the two people and why additional resource really will help us so that we can be more proactive instead of currently reactive to a lot of things. And the most important thing that I really sort of want to end on to is our people. Um, I had started this off that I've been here four years, and when I look out at these pictures and see these amazing people and all the team that we have, we can't accomplish it without these people. They're our most important resources. That's why we've created programs like Richmond Lead and other investments, and we're extremely excited about the mayor's budget where there's a 5% increase in raising our wage to $17. It's all for the individuals that come to work every day and serve the city of Richmond extremely well. And I'm very proud to lead them. I know often you guys get a lot of the complaints. So today I wanted to show you all the good things because I know you deal with a lot and there's a lot of things that people will reach out to you. But there's so many wonderful things that the investment that the city of Richmond has provided for the Department of Parks and Recreation. And I just wanted to share that today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start. There are a few questions. Uh, Councilwoman Lambert. Thank you, Madam Chair, and apologies for my tardiness this afternoon. Um, thank you, Mr. Felke, for your presentation. Um, I just wanted to get clarification. Do you have anything in your report that shows the ARPA funds and how they've been dispensed and how that's affected your budget? So most of the ARPA funds, what we're doing right now is, is not impacting our operation budget. For FY23. Okay. Because we're in the planning and design phases. So we're using the ARPA funding for that, but it has no operational impact. Okay. For 23. Okay. Thank you. I just want to get clarification. Thank you. Other questions? Councilman Jones. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, Mr. Froke, I think you have the best job uh, in the city. <laughs> oh, what it must be like <laughs> to direct Parks and Recs. Not that it's without its struggles, but um, if there is a more fulfilling job at the end of the day, knowing that you are, um, you know, 
reaching the collective good of a community, um, what that must be like on a day-to-day basis. And so I applaud you and your staff and all the heads nodding behind you. Um, you've done an excellent job. I, I, it seems like we've known each other forever, but it hasn't been that long. But um, Madam President, I still just want to lift up the job uh, that Mr. Frelke has done since coming on board um, and, and just the work that we see. Um, and, and I appreciate and there are several directors that put their money where their mouth is. They say they're going to do something you could take to the bank, go to bed on it, and not worry about it again. And so I think of all the qualities that you have in our interactions, for me, that's key. That if you say something, I don't have to sit back and wonder if it's going to get done or not. And so I truly appreciate that. Back on slide 20, um, th- th- this isn't for me per se versus just public perception that I, I love the, the mural mob, uh, love that, um, but that it's not a sign of gentrification. You know, some will say that. Um, and, and you know, for me, I, I just want to see different cool things like this going on in the Ninth District and, and in other parts of the South Side because we don't have a lot of murals. We don't, I think we have a, First piece of artwork going up in the ninth district, um, Madam Chair, that um, is being done by, gosh, I mean, <laughs> this athlete's resume is so long. An Olympic athlete, uh, an extreme uh, 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 sports participant, um, and she has signed on to do uh, a major piece of artwork for our skate park. And Mr. Frelke knows one of our first conversations was simply, that can't go. Get rid of whatever you want, but make sure um, that we keep the skate park, because that's one of the things that makes Ninth District so eclectic. And it, and it is regional. Uh, I remember I was over there one day. I can't say this off the, I can say it off the record, right? There was a certain council person there with secure, certain security guards that when a young couple, a young man brought his uh, stepdaughter and her friend up all the way from Midlothian just to see this park and to skate it, they were, you know, turned away. But this certain council person, along with this certain security guard, said, we'll turn our back so you can do it, so you can go and skate. Um, but it was so cool to see this, 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 this young, she, the girl was in middle school. Um, and she had one of her friends and we were just trying to get them to do different tricks going down. And then they just said, you do it. And I said, nah, I think I'll pass. But it was so cool, Miss uh, Madam President, to see such an eclectic group of young people gather. Um, and that's what the city of Richmond needs to be about. That even in the ninth district, even on South Side, we got white folk coming through, Latinos coming through, black folk coming through, and we're all in the same space enjoying and celebrating. And so I can't wait for um, the ribbon cutting. Um, I'm going to party. You know, I'm going I'm going to have some folk pull up with a grill and we're going to feed these folk out there and just have some fun. We were actually up in Washington, D.C., Um out by the harbor, there's a skate, there's a skate store in there. Um, and we were talking about this particular 
development. And he was like, man, please let us know because we'll come down because the skater community is it's such a tight knit subculture. And I think we need that. I think we need other people to show us how to be this beloved community, because oftentimes the old folk, we don't get it right. Uh, We just don't. And it takes some of these subcultures that have their own expertise in another area that many of us will just shun to show us how to be inclusive, accepting and open to everybody. And for me, that's, you know, how does this, how does a skate park do that? I don't know, but it does. And we kind of knew that intuitively uh, when we met and I just pled, please don't, if anything, if anything goes, this stays. And so I'm glad that you delivered on that. And so love to see murals uh, around, want to see the mural mob, say that five times fast for me if you can, but want to see that throughout uh, the city. So it's not just identified with gentrification taking place and things of that nature. Uh, because it is a way to express uh, a community's ethos. Thank you, Councilman Jones. Uh, Councilwoman Jordan. Thank you so much, Madam President. And this was a great presentation. I love seeing what's happening in our parks all across the city. Um, Some areas I'm more familiar with others. And I just wanted to start with a thank you for really jumping in and helping with the virtual learning for Fox. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to figure out um, the extended day, and it was a real lifesaver that Parks was able to jump in on that. Also want to thank you for the pop-up events. Uh, when you did movie night at Gilpin Court, that was really cool. And to the extent that we continue to bring Parks and these city services to people who, um, you know, don't always experience them, that's fantastic. I had a couple of questions. Um, one, oh, and I want to thank you for Abner Clay, making sure that that closes out successfully. Um, that's been on my mind a lot. So I noticed in your staffing in the budget book, you're going down from 232 staff to 188. And I was just wondering, is are those staff members being supplemented with I think that's a what great is that? Que- that's a great question. I think it's just sort of an educational piece. Okay. The and this predates me um, before I got here, but we had 232 positions, but only had probably 181 funded. So it showed on the books that we had all these positions, but we weren't actually using those positions. So I think more and this is probably more of a budgetary, but from my experience in previous places that I've worked, best practice is really to show in your budget the number of positions that you have and the number of positions that are funded and not showing all these unfunded positions. So this is more giving a clearer picture of the number of positions that we have. We never had 230 positions, 32 positions that were funded, if that makes sense. Okay, got it. Um, two other quick questions. Um, I love seeing the murals absolutely across the city. It's such a, a great way to add some you know, dynamic um, visual assets to our city, um, incorporating history and other things and uh, teaching kids, getting them involved in their community. I would love to see a similar focus on greening our walls and getting people, um, you know, planting, understanding how to do agriculture. Kids love to do that stuff. And when you do a mural, it's fantastic, but it's kind of then it's done. Whereas if you get um, kids and community involved in planting an area, 
you have something that they come back and continue to mind and, and continue to give them something to be involved with. And hopefully they could take it to other places. Whereas I don't know if necessarily we want people doing rogue murals. Um, but just a thought, something that I would love to see. And, and real quick, just so you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and I might have glossed over that very quickly, but our community garden person, that tilt program that I was discussing, is exactly the pilot that we're doing. And we can look at further expanding that because it's been pretty successful. Awesome. Yeah, I know in the second, we have a lot of alleys that would love to be greened instead of tagged. Um, <laughs> and then training camp. Do we have any idea if the Washington team is coming back and sort of long-term goals for the use of that space? Because it is... Really nice, and I would love to see our Richmond youth um, taking better advantage of it. That is not something that's under the Parks and Recreation Department's purview, so mm-hmm. that can be a question that we can get for you all, but that's not something that I have any knowledge about. Okay, Absolutely. well, I would be supportive of Parks and Rec programming at that site, just to go on record. And then just to the extent that you can continue to coordinate with the RPS, especially around transportation, like I know that's something that we still have not figured out. Um, I don't know. Can you do training for bus drivers? Maybe. <laughs> we'll look to see if there's a partner that we could find to do that. But yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Councilwoman Nye and then Councilwoman uh, Trammell and then Councilwoman Lynch. Okay. Thank you. Um, thank you, Chris, for your presentation. I appreciate um, looking at it all big picture. A couple questions. Well, first, I want to say um, I'm excited about the Ranger program. Um, I think that we have a lot of space in our city. Well, we're fortunate to have so much park space. Um, The thing that always makes me nervous is this space is not monitored. We know that our park staff is limited, and we also know that police presence is even though it's requested it it isn't always a top priority in the parks um with two million visitors i mean i think when i first came on to council we were at a million um i don't know if anybody remembers that number or not but i I know covid it really spiked um so if it's doubled in the last six years that's huge and we need to make sure that we're keeping everybody safe Um, and i think even if this program isn't a full-blown police officer i think somebody who has a polo on that looks official that knows who to call if there's an emergency that's cpr trained all those things i think could really help us out so i'm excited about that a couple fourth district questions the Westover Hills Community Center, uh, I didn't see up on the list. Are they getting any maintenance done? Yeah, so one, um, I do appreciate your comment last week um, about the, some of the deferred maintenance there. We sent out, actually, uh, Deputy Young went over there on Monday afternoon uh, with listening and there's some ceiling tile, lighting, painting, and bathrooms uh, and new floor tile uh, in the bathrooms we're looking at doing right now. We can also look to see what other upgrades need to be in there, but we're looking to see what we can put on our work project. Um, the other sort of tricky thing with the exterior of that is just balancing out that that's RPS 
property and trying to work with them so we can make improvements. Mm -hmm. But one of the grants that we had on there is uh, $5,000 for some improvements to the tennis court. So we are working on some of those, okay. but there's areas we could definitely improve on. So when we heard you say that, I, we realized we need to come up with a work plan for that building. Yeah, it's in, I agree. it's not in great condition yeah. and they have um, a summer camp. They have an after school program yeah. that's well attended. They have a summer camp that's well attended. Yeah. Um, and nothing has been put into that facility since I've been on council. So I just can't stress it enough. It just, it really needs some TLC. Um, it is, it, it's sad looking. Um, and the, the neighbors have, you know, rallied around it and also offered help and all of that. So there is support there, there's resources there. Um, so I appreciate you guys going out there and please let me know when the plan's together. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask about Westover Park and the tennis court. So that's gonna be like a facelift and tennis, just tennis at all the courts, or are you guys gonna convert it to so pickleball over there? Or One thing too first, um, I'll get to that. But before I forget, cause I wrote it down, I wanted to thank you too, because in 20, 19 budget you put in the dollars for the study for the urban park ranger of which we came up with the justification of how we built in what we did for asking so i know that you've been advocating for this since 20 well since i've been here so thank you for your support and that those dollars have gone the the complexity with westover hills is that we have to get rps to approve what the the final design is for that since it's their property so we're working with them on seeing what they would approve and then the process for how we could make those upgrades to that that area but it, since even, it's not city property even the tennis courts all that is their property okay and I, I thought we were working on an mou with them to so we i don't know if it's specific to westover or if it's all encompassing in all schools and parks that are shared that's a great question. We are working on an MOU to use for Parks and Recreation to have access to their buildings and their spaces beyond the extended day program. Okay. So we're looking so that we can have gyms so that we can use their buildings as we previously were able to. Mm -hmm. We had an agreement in place that automatically uh, renewed, but RPS decided that they wanted to review the agreement. And so we've been in the process of updating that agreement. This is the one you just said expired in 2020. Yep. Did that include the outdoor space? No, it, it, it does use of the actual outdoor space, but it doesn't include the right entries to improve the outdoor space. Okay. So are we What's, updating it to? So what was decided so we could get at least access and get use of the space, focus on that one first and okay. come back around because they need to use our spaces and we also need to figure out how we, how we could potentially improve spaces that we jointly use. Okay. But are we going to lose this grant? No. Okay. Okay. Um, keep me abreast on that. Happy to help if I can be helpful. Um, and then my last question is about pony pasture. Because I know there's some plans for renovations over there and is that that's in part of the James River master plan. Is that on? I'm I know that we're working with the friends group on some different projects and prioritization. Um, I have to say the one thing that I, you know, we are very excited that the friends group of James River has an executive uh, director. We've been working with them in partnership to determine capital projects and prioritize. Um, some of the initial ones that we're looking at right now is the 
create a, a safer way at Reedy Creek to access in front of the building in there and, and create a trail network. I know that's some of our, our highest priorities and then trying to figure out what could be some options um, for maintaining that lot and also potentially down the road looking at that building um, for our park patrol people and things like that. So we're looking at some of those. Um, that's not quite yet on our, our radar, but we have also gone after some grants for the James River Park system um, that could potentially help us uh, alleviate stuff too. Okay. And when you get a chance, if you guys could just send me a quick update on um, Flatwater and just yeah. where everything is with construction so we can share that with residents. Happy to. We're moving along on that one. Um, but yeah, we can give you that too. Thank you. Councilwoman Trammell. Chris, I want to thank you for attending our meeting last Thursday. Um, it was a great meeting and I appreciate a lot of, you know, a lot of information that you gave to us. Is there any way, because several people have called me over the weekend, I passed out more packages yesterday and they were saying they heard the great things that you, you know, presented to them, but we, we want something that we can put into our next package so that there know the things that are going on, like um, different things that, that you spoke about and things that are coming up at the Hickory Hill Community Center, line dancing and things like that. Some of them didn't even know we had that. And a lot, a lot of them were asking, are we still doing the, um, the exercise program for the seniors? And could we have somebody that could come in there and talk about nutrition, like what they – you know, can eat because there are so many people now that um, been diagnosed with diabetes, and they said that would be great if we could have some information on things like that. And then, um, you know, just give us a summary because I I can't print I can't print all this. No, I, um, actually, uh, Councilor Trammell, that's a great question. It was a conversation Deputy Morden, uh, Deborah Morden, and I had this morning that we need to be providing that. For all of you all, and if you let us know when your district meetings are, we can let every counselor know what programs are happening in the community centers in their district. So you can highlight that because often we're sometimes the best kept secret and we need people to know about our line dancing classes, about the, the fitness classes. And we definitely can look to see if there's a partner that we can bring in to talk about some of the other things at TV Smith and some of the we're happy to do that. Counselor. Okay. Um. We, we changed our meeting to the first Thursday of the month. And so the next one's going to be May the 5th. I know, May the 7th, May the 7th, from 6 p.m. to 7.30 at the satellite. And um, also, I spoke with Dana Allen yesterday, and she said that she, you know, would love to have, you know, an update in writing or something so she can give it to the naysayers over there that are saying it's never going to happen. And then the people did not understand where the park was going to be. And when I say the old Madison Arms Apartments, they 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 can't put it together unless I say Beulah Baptist Church. It's that land over there. And they want to know when, you know, can they can they ride through it? Can they go over there and look at it? I told them that you were coming to the budget meeting this morning and I could ask you some of those questions. Maybe you could add that to yeah, happy to. I know that we we can get you that information. There was a handout, but probably everyone didn't receive it that had where the park was. So we have that easily accessible that just as a map of its location. And we have cleared some trails for people to hike through there right now. So there are some trails. Part of the um, the grant that we got that was listed on there, we have a million dollars to start transforming that space um, coming that way. So we're going to start working on that too. And then um, some of the children 
that I spoke to on Saturday at the Hickory Hill Community Center, they're still upset about the field. They're trying to play soccer. And I told them that I don't know exactly, you know, when the other parts could be finished with the, I guess, we finally got the lights. We're going to get the lights yep. over there. But they were talking about the field where they want to, where they usually play the soccer. It's on the right-hand side. Yeah, the, down in the, on the yeah, other side. Mm -hmm. We'll look into that to see what the status is of that, but I'll look into that for you. Okay, because they said that somebody told them last year that they were going to have it fixed for this spring, yeah. and it's not. And then one more thing with the broad, with the um, was one of the schools. I think Bouchard. Did you say that we do have the new, um, the new um, look like? I meant to tell you to stop there, but this phone. It was like the the, um, I guess where they played. Yes, no, not basketball. Bouchard would be under RPS maintenance. So you didn't do anything with the fields? Not at Bouchard. Not us. Okay. I thought us. Was it another school you did something, or was that the? I know I saw the Broad Rock Park, yeah, which did. a lot of a lot of people are very grateful for that. And I told him, doesn't matter that it's in a ninth. It's for all of us. Michael said everybody can use it. He doesn't care. <laughs> and when he cooks, they can come and eat too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thanks for everything. Thanks. Thank you. Councilwoman Lynch. Thank you, Madam President. Um, it's a lofty packet. <laughs> He's saving the entire city, guys. This is amazing. Great work. Um, and, and really, I say that in jest, but there's so much um, cross-pollination between the work that um, you are doing and, and the vision that's laid out here in this packet and what our larger human services goals and objectives are, what RPS's goals and objectives. I mean, it's it's a lot of um, shared mission in your vision, and I appreciate that. Um, so to to that point, um, extended day, my favorite topic. Um, now the parks and you know it occurred. I, I recently learned. I mean, our parks and rec staff. I just want to acknowledge this for those in the room that don't know or those out in TV land that are watching. Really were um, thrown in, into a, um, a, a program that was originally designated for tr highly trained educators to perform um, not just tutoring exercises for our, our students um, for after out of school time, but um, some pretty intensive um, academic, academically rigorous, um, that more than just, you know, an after school tutor. And so our parks and rec staff showed up and showed out for extended day. But they, it has come to my attention that the compensation that was built into the extended day budget was not conversely transferred over to our parks and rec staff and reflected in their hourly wages. So we so we asked them to do things far above and beyond their job description, their skill set, and yet they were not compensated accordingly. That was a $48 million program. So I would like to know what's the plan between um, RPS and Parks and Rec to right that wrong, because I think that that is, that's not okay. 
I think one of the biggest steps that we're doing is we're moving the extended day program under our budget, as you've seen that increase, so that we have more control and we can do that. I think what RPS was trying to do was extremely aspirational, and I understand why, um, but we tried to do our best because those kids are our kids, and we know the importance of what those kids have been through and what they go through. And so for us to do what, step up and do what we can, our staff did that. I know it was stressful for our team and we've done stuff, you know, we've done some stuff which we have the ability to give them and we provided that. Um, but we've also, that's why we've sort of were glad when RPS came to the decision to let us manage the program that we think we know how to manage it and provide at the level that we need to and then also have the resources um, because we were only contracted at the 1.4 million to do um, and again, I, I fully appreciate that that's coming under the city's purview, but the budget and the CARES Act dollars and the ARPA funding, which still sits in RPS's coffers, needs we need to you know, reconcile that. Um, that seems like a duplicative. For, the, for that to come out of the city's budget, for that to come out of our budget, when there are unextended, unexpended funds for that program and the RPS budget, that seems, that just doesn't sit right with me. Um, second question. So the, um, thank you so much for doing the lifeguarding training. That's going to be hugely important. Um, are we going to see... The, you know, the aquatics program, a lot of, um, especially during um, COVID, when those programs started to reopen, I think everyone appreciated the importance of having pools um, as a asset and community benefit. Um, are we going to see full hours? And did we fully restore the aquatics budget? Because I know yeah, that we yeah, did. That the capital budget did get restored in this year. So, um, and then, I think this page but this sort of shows you what we're looking to do for programming for aquatics we also will be opening up as i mentioned memorial day weekend at four sites um that's a second in a we never opened prior to school letting out our pools so we've been doing that and looking at hours and i know that last year we looked at sort of trying to stretch hours if we have the lifeguard so if we have the staff that's usually sometimes more of our challenge so we're excited about the partnership with george with we also have a partnership with Armstrong to do those sort of staffing models. So we'll look at those things as the staffing comes in. One thing that was also really wonderful that happened this year is that we moved uh, several of our lifeguards that were um, that were part-time into full-time, part-time permanent positions. And so that's a huge thing just for retention on our, and we're extremely excited about the $17 uh, minimum starting salary for the city that will also have us as one of the highest lifeguard pain in the area, which will help us in recruitment also. Mm -hmm. I know it helped with my um, Bulldog Academy over at George Fifth when I <laughs> said that was stirring thought. So um, uh, Madam President, as a follow-up to my um, question regarding extended day and the budget and the hourly wage and compensation for our parks and rec staff, um, if we could, maybe confer as a council body at some point, and I can talk with you offline about how to get some answers 
on, on that. I just, again, we've got unexpended funds in RPS for the extended day program. And then we have staff that worked all throughout the year. No bonuses, no retention, um, no increase in hourly wage. But yet we're doing all of the work of the extended day program. Absolutely look forward to the follow-up conversation. Uh, Mr. Prelke, um, I must admit, I don't even know where to start. Um, your presentation, um, just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it, for me, it's uh, your focus um, on this is really about healthy communities, active, vibrant, uh, thriving. And it's yes, it's parks, but it's recreation, it's community facilities, it's community. Um, the absolute strategic intentionality focusing on the full continuum from our children, our youth, our adults, our families, our seniors, our, you know, uh, is just unparalleled. Making sure that the parks and facilities we have are accessible to all. Um, I remember doing the inventory. Yeah, you have them, but what's the state of them? And then how do we get them up to par? You have an extraordinary leadership team. Um, just on parallel, I cannot, um, I don't have enough adjectives about how your leadership and with your team and vision really has worked to allow us to address many of the challenges before the city, whether it's been when virtual education or extended day, any number of things. And um, I, I just, I'm making this shorter. I want to say thank you um, for the work that um, has been done. I look forward to the even more expansive efforts that are underway and all that we can do to make uh, Richmond uh, the star in terms of um, just healthy community, active, vibrant and parks. It's not just a park and not, just, you know, this is about um, really health and well-being. And so simply want to say thank you. Thank you to you. Thank you to your staff. Uh, and the 180-something that I see periodically out in the community who are just equally as committed. Um, so thank you. I do have one last uh, light up here, Vice President Robertson. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, uh, Chris, for such a fabulous job for you and your entire Fox and Rick team. Um, Fox are looking good. They're looking good. Um, I'm really impressed with the, the extended partnership that you've brought to the table as well uh, and your willingness to work with, uh, with those partners to bring a lot of resources to, um, to our parks. Um, one in particular, I, all of them, uh, I've seen significant improvements, especially those that that I visit a lot in the 6th District. Um, and I appreciate the work that we are still doing to work on enhancing uh, delivery of programming and services. And just the willingness and the cooperation that I've received from you and your staff and your willingness to just, you know, find solution to things, you know, um, and um, and to make things work well within the community. So I'm I'm looking forward to working more closely with you in the Highland Park community as we move forward. Thank God for where we are with Anne Hardy. She 
I'm sure she's smiling from heaven uh, to see that building uh, move forward with the recognition that she has there, as well as the programming. Um, just a couple questions I wanted to just get some clarification on that I'm not sure I know where we stand. I know when we built the MLK facility, we put that auxiliary gym, I guess we would call it there. Um, we've had some challenges as it relates to available gym space um, for the, a group of uh, young people that I want to see us do more to address. I mean, we lost um, four kids this weekend um, between the Richmond and Henrico kids under 18 years old. Um, you know, I don't know how some people seem to think that kids that age uh, are adults. Um, I know what my kids were like and what I probably was like as well at that age. And um, to think that these children are subjected to this level of violence and this level of need to, to carry a gun to feel like they need to carry a gun just to protect themselves. And so I, I would like to be certain that through our recreation and parks activities, which, you know, kids want to have fun. Everybody wants to have fun, but, you know, we really giving kids an opportunity to have fun, but it'd be a constructive way that accomplish even more than having fun. Um, for the age group that, you know, that above 12 years old and up to maybe 21, 22 years old, um, uh, you know, our service delivery and our engaged activities that really attract them and engage them in a productive way um, is where we are having such a tremendous, tremendous uh, loss in life and quality of life and opportunities and knowing opportunities that exist and so forth. And, in, and you know, as my colleagues have said, no one is doing this job as well as what you all are doing in Parks and Recs. And so I, I really do believe that we, I want to see us entrust a lot more in, in, in making sure that we are we're given that age group of kids an opportunity to really feel significant and important and recognize the value that they have to add to the city of Richmond. And so I, I don't know that I have a specific question other than to understand from your perspective as how effective we are with that age group. And if you see that as something that perhaps we need to um, craft in a different way than what is uh, typically there. I know that the, the kids, the, the guys ask for gyms and they ask for places to play sports and so forth. Um, but are we getting that age? Are we effectively reaching that age group? And I, I just see it as such a, a major challenge for us to have to go out of our way to do some things that are different and special. I think that's an excellent question. And it's, it, I will try to answer it in a short period of time, even though it's a very long, we could have a very long conversation on this topic. 
there's a lot of players and there's a lot of people that are doing this work in the community besides parks and recreation. Um, and so we have to really sometimes leverage those partners or understand those partners better. That's probably an area we could do better on. We're trying to be more proactive and looking forward. Um, the We Matter program is a great pilot. You really need to work with those kids at middle school. But you also need to sort of, as you said, they want something different than traditional parks and recreation. And they sort of like that cash incentive or the ability to put a little bit of get something because they want to sometimes want, you know, years ago, I know when we surveyed this and I've heard from some of my staff, a lot of those kids want to help their brothers and sisters out. They want to bring some money in to help their family and do those. So that's sort of why we started to focus on that 14 and up sort of finding some job skills for them. So in this program, in the We Matter, we're teaching some basic job skills, learning that, getting them the exposure, sort of why we created that athletic program, so the scorekeeper and different stuff, so they can move into those positions that we have a hard time finding people for. Um, we've started sort of a team-level workforce development. It's not nearly as big as it needs to be, but we need to grow that and develop that and sort of expand upon that so that they get that positive adult mentor in their life. They have an incentive to come to the program. You know, they do those and then they have the ability to talk. If you, the surveys from the We Matter program and hearing what the kids are saying about it and the parents, you know, we had kids that were really on the line of potentially being gun violence that now have a positive adult in their life. They have a group of friends. They have a lot of that sense of belonging. And so we're looking that since this pilot has been as successful, how do we expand upon that? How do we grow it and how do we get more kids? Because we know we need to be doing more. Gun violence is very complex. I think we all agree that the gun laws and things like that need to be changed. But there's also programs and things that we can be doing and need to be doing and building more. Um, as I said, you know, and I, I, you know, we have to, we are continuing to build, learn, and and change. And so, what we did 40 years ago, we might not be able to do now. And trying to evolve with that generation and do the things we started an esports league two years ago a lot because of COVID, but that also is a new way to get in those youth that have an ability to do that. So we have to be nimble. Um, and COVID, COVID taught us a lot. You know, like. And I started my presentation off like this, but we had to change operations sometimes midstream during the week of, OK, we can't offer this because of the new things. We have to pivot here, but people still demand services. I say that that's how I think we have to treat gun violence is that we have to be just it's, it's a disease like COVID is. And we have to take it every day and have a game plan of how we address and attack it. And we have the thing, you know, we have amazing team here. I know that Council Lynch talked about the extended day. The We Matter is the same. We asked staff to come, and when they saw what the purpose of the program is, they didn't ask for compensation. They didn't say that we need to do that. They understood the importance of a parks and recreation as a hat, and they stood up and did it. And so I am very, you know, I know that um, Councilor Jones said I have a great job. I do. I work with people that I ask them on a daily basis to do stuff that is beyond their ability, but they do it because they care so much about the city and about this organization. You know, and that's why I get excited about the mayor's budget because it really helps move us to the next level. The things that are in there are very great for parks and recreation and for the city as a whole and for the people that are our number one resource because they're the ones that really care about those kids. Those are the adults that they can lean on and talk to. We just need more of them to be doing that and growing that with them. Thank okay. you, thank you. Uh, Mr. Frelke, thank you. I um, would ask members if you have additional questions, if you would, I'm going to come back to you, Ms. Trammell, to close out. If you have additional questions, please be sure to get them to Ms. Davis so that we can get them to you for 
uh, follow-up. And our last question for today, well, well, at least from this, uh, from these seats, there may be more coming. Uh, Councilwoman Trammell. I know you brought up something about the gun violence. I'm, I'm hearing so many people say that it's just not the gun violence. It, I mean, it's just not the guns. It is, um, I mean, some people said it after the meeting the other night that it would be nice um, if Governor Yunkin maybe would proceed on Project Exile again. Um, you know, looking at that to bring that back, I, or because I don't think city council can do that per se. And then they were also saying that um, the judges are just not doing what they were doing before 2020. It looks like the ones that are committing these crimes are not getting prosecuted. They're not showing up for court. Um, we don't have enough police officers on the street. Don't, you know, I just heard this morning a couple more leaving. Um, we don't have, and the population is growing in the city with all the apartments and all of that. And we need, I think that this conversation needs to go to Governor Yunkin. Um, maybe the attorney general It's just like people saying it's not the guns because people are saying you're not taking my gun from me. And, and they're saying we're the good people that we go get the training. We don't have to use the gun. It's the ones that probably had these guns that shouldn't have them and they find a way to get them. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you Councilwoman Trammell. Um, Mr. Frailke, thank you again. And, Again, um, thank you for just uh, phenomenal work in our city. Um, every day I see folks out. Um, They're incredibly responsive. And um, yeah, I won't prolong any further. Thank you. With that, uh, members, that will conclude the agenda for this budget work session. Thank you, everyone who joined. Uh, this meeting now stands adjourned.